You're listening to World Building for Masochists. And we're wondering why we do this to ourselves. Because sometimes you need to make your own reasons to celebrate. I'm Cass Morris. I'm Rowena Miller. I'm Marshall Ryan Moresca, and this is episode 80, Festivus for the Rest of Us. Which is not, in fact, going to be us airing grievances, <laughs> no. but rather talking yeah. about different kinds of festivals. But before we dive into that, uh, I believe that people have some things to be shouty about at the top of the podcast. Rowena? Sure. So theoretically, by the time this airs, um, retail sites should have pre-order links for Fairy Bargains of Prospect Hill Live. We'll see if that happens. Because who knows? But theoretically, it's it's coming. The, the the joy of the publishing industry is sometimes you find out when pre-orders are live on your on your books because they're live. Yes, <laughs> that's that's how you. Yeah, so sometimes it's it's a friend saying, "I just pre-ordered your book," and you're like, "I didn't know you could do that." <laughs> Didn't realize cool. it was a thing. Neat. Your book has a release date, does it? <laughs> Well, Amazon says so. That does not necessarily That's, mean anything. It might be made up. All the dates are made up and the points don't matter. But dates that are not made up are the upcoming Armadillo Con and World Con, where we will all three be at both locations. So Yay! those dates are real. And those dates are August 5th to the 7th for Armadillo Con and September... First, first to the to fifth? fifth that sounds right yeah. we're not looking at actual labor day data. weekend labor day, labor day weekend for, for none of us is looking at a calendar good job team <laughs> i think we did pretty good there for none of us looking yep. at a calendar but that's in chicago and and yeah so that's gonna be and at armadillo con i am going to be debuting my new novella so it's going to be coming out that week and so I will have like the book release party at ArmadilloCon for my novella, which is The Mystical Murders of Yin Mara, which is set in the Meridian Wars, but it is its own little standalone novella starring Phaedra and Giarna from the Thorn series, where they have their own little adventure of mysterious dead bodies that defy explanations and... They decide, because they're the kind of people who are just too curious about this sort of thing, that they need to figure out what's happening with these dead bodies. And I think it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. They have so many opportunities to not be involved (laughs) in the dead bodies. And yet, they keep choosing to be involved with the dead bodies, which I think is wonderful. Uh, Yes, I got to read it. It's very very fun. So, So my question is, will there be cake at this little shindig? That's a good question. The the nice. shindig details I still need to I still need to work. It's actually as the plan is going now uh, at this recording time, which may be very different by the time we get there. It's actually going to be a joint book release party with me and Mystical Murders of Yin Mara and Sim Kern and their book. I believe it's called Real Sugar is Hard to Find. I'm pretty sure that's the title of the book. I could be wrong. So Sim and I will be will be having our release party together, and so that will be that'll be. Pretty, but the the details of cake or not at this party is still up in the air. Well, sounds like a bunch a, of Eddie or jokes just went. I know. I'm, I'm I'm holding back. <laughs> cake or death. <laughs> I mean, Sim's well, book might be about cake since it is about finding sugar. And my book is and definitely is about, death. about death. So it's now the it's now the cake or death party. It might very well be the cake or death party. I think it has to be. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's a reason to celebrate. And speaking of reasons to celebrate, that's what we're talking about today. Because we always need to find more excuses to do celebrations and weird, crazy things. And if those can involve there being cake, then we usually like to have an excuse to make cake. More's the better. It's yeah. true. It's true. I sort of love I love it that we can that we can slide right from talking about conventions into talking about this because I feel like conventions in the modern age fill a similar role in a lot of ways. Like it is something 
outside the usual pattern of life that brings people together to do weird shit. (laughs) And I love that humans have this innate urge to gather together and do weird shit. Especially since (laughs) most conventions, the the annual ones, are, are pretty much around the same time each year. Like, it's usually the same weekend in any given year. And a lot of conventions will have their little, like, this is our tradition sort of thing that they, like, make sure we have to do. Like... And, and if you wander into one not having been to that convention before, it can be a real weird experience. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't realize this is what we do here in, in this town. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, I can know I can tell you at ArmadilloCon, one of them is called Fanish Feud, which is essentially like Family Feud. And they, you know, have like the survey of all these questions. And usually it's it's presented as fans versus pros so one team is all is all fan people and the other team are the professional are professional writer people usually but i can also tell you that since it's a survey that people do on the internet a lot of times the answers to the questions have that are correct have no bearing on correct (laughs) answers to the questions whatsoever so as a participant sometimes you have to just gauge like this answer is wrong but someone might have put it anyway. <laughs> and therefore, I'm going to say it, knowing it's wrong, but it might be right for this. And so that's one of the weird traditions there. I, I love that. Yeah. It's not about knowing the right answer. It's about knowing people. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's the key <laughs> of the family feud style. It's a Star Trek question, but someone might have still answered Han Solo. So I'm going to say Han Solo. <laughs> exactly that. And, and it's, it's so much fun because, like, you know, when you're part of that community, you expect that. And that's part of what you look forward to. And, and I think that's kind of the the difference between what we're talking about today and what we might think of as, like, your holidays or your, like, overarching calendar of your world. That you have these, like, big kind of, like, high holy days. Everyone celebrates. Everyone does sort of the same things. The whole corner of your world, a country, whatever. But... But but then you have like the little town that has the asparagus festival, or you know the little corner of of your of a country or a region that celebrates the high holy day a little differently for a week and ends by putting a rooster on their head for no reason. And so it's like you have these these like this difference no, no. between like you know what it's we not think for no reason like <laughs> <laughs> it's that no one remembers why anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why time. is lost to time, but there was a reason <laughs> that was perfectly and it's now sensible. very important, <laughs> and, and that it was, we keep doing it. And it was probably alcohol, but <laughs> <laughs> we have these, right? I mean, and I think that we could probably all point to, you know, in addition to conventions, growing up, something weird that our town or region or something did that was like, well, yeah, that's that's that thing that we do every year, where we celebrate. Who knows what. Or the thing that it gets associated with that annual thing that just becomes part of it, even though I, I keep thinking about the, the New York State Fair where there would be these delightfully horrible for you uh, sausage sandwiches that you would never eat any other time of the year. But because you're at the New York State Fair, you're like, well, we have to have these the sausage sandwiches. That's just that's part of the experience. And there's no reason why you couldn't have terrible sausage sandwiches every other day of the year but you only do it at the new york state fair for reasons that defy fried mac and cheese at a ren fair yes like i i've never eaten it i've never seen it on a menu i don't think anywhere other than a ren fair it's so freaking good i don't know if it would actually taste as good outside of a ren fair just wouldn't have the same cachet where else does anybody ever eat a turkey leg besides <laughs> i mean thanksgiving maybe but then there's also other parts of the turkey usually right. involved but just and, just and you're not just, dissociated and leg you're not, like wandering around your house with a turkey leg just kind of like gnawing on it and as I you're just, like watching football like I, I love the beautiful irony of that too because it's always like ah yes i feel like henry the eighth when i when i do this and i'm like henry the eighth didn't ever see a turkey just, he didn't know what a turkey was maybe henry the eighth with a really overgrown chicken really giant chicken yeah, so like all these things that we get a, like we get really attached to. We like our little traditions. We like having things to look forward to. And sometimes people will go very hard 
when it comes to these traditions. The, the, the instigation behind proposing this topic for today was me getting excited about the um, annual cheese rolling in Gloucestershire, <laughs> which I think is one of just the just most glorious things that happens on this green earth. Because it's such a perfect encapsulation of, we have no idea why we do this, but they take a giant wheel of cheese, they throw it down a hill, and a bunch of people hurdle themselves after it. And, like, people get hurt like, it is, pretty it much is, every year. If you have it's never dangerous. seen this, look it up to see the, like, the grade of It's a very hill. steep it hill. It is very steep. It's a very, very steep hill. People get hurt all the time, but they keep doing it. The local government tried to ban it. Did not work. <laughs> People are like, we're going to keep doing it anyway. You can't stop us. I think eventually they may have, like, some years replaced the actual wheel of cheese with, like, a styrofoam wheel of cheese. But I think they backtracked off that, too. Because it's like, no, it's not the same. It doesn't doesn't have the same gravity going downhill. So I I have some questions. (laughs) I may or may not have answers. I've never been. But but it's on the bucket list. For example, like, is it just the joy of chasing the cheese? Or does... Somebody have to catch the cheese to win. Is there? You don't have to. Is there a winner? Catch the cheese. There is a winner. I think the cheese always wins. I think really the cheese always wins. I think the cheese always beats the people down the hill. (laughs) But 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 whoever gets down the hill first gets the cheese. Oh, so so there is at least. So it is a race. You don't, you don't you don't have to catch the cheese. There's no fight. At, like, there's not like a like a rugby scrum <laughs> at the bottom of the hill over the cheese. I'm Though not sure. I would that swear that's always would <laughs> be an excellent addition. But the idea is it's like a race after the cheese, yeah. and whoever hits hits the finish line first gets the cheese. So th- then there's the question: like, is there a locked finish line that whoever crosses it first, or is it like whoever gets their hand on the cheese first <laughs> when it, whenever it actually stops? Yeah, in the videos I've seen, they, they've, at least in recent years, sort of put, like, um, a net at the bottom to catch the cheese <laughs> so it doesn't just keep rolling off into the countryside. And it's it's whoever gets to the bottom of the hill. So I guess there's, there's a finish line. back out is the finish line, in theory. Whereas I would love it if it was just there was, you know, you just had to keep going until the cheese stopped. Until somebody <laughs> puts a hand on the cheese. <laughs> and and this, this is one of those prime ones of... Why? Why do we do this? And I don't know that anyone knows. I'm sure there's some apocryphal story of the year back in 1260 where someone dropped a wheel of cheese down the hill and a bunch of people ran after it or whatever. But I, no, no one, I'm sure no one knows. Well, it's one of those I, great sure. things that like by the time anyone wrote it down, it was already. Long. they had been doing it for so long yeah. that, that no one knew. Like the first reference to it is, is fairly recent in history. I want to say Victorian era. But, like, that person is saying, they've been doing this for forever, and no one seems to know why. <laughs> I, I'd love to believe that the origins are something like, like, five guys were all arguing over whose cheese it was. And somebody in a very, like, Wisdom of Solomon went, so it's like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it down the hill, and whichever one of you gets it, <laughs> fine. It's your, your cheese. cheese. It's your cheese. <laughs> and that's my ruling. And then they did that, and people were like, that was, that was kind of cool. Actually, watching those guys chase after the cheese. We should do that again. <laughs> and it just grew from there. I, th- I think a lot of things stem from something dangerous occurs. Other people see it and are like, that was kind of cool. <laughs> and, that was fun to watch. Yeah. Because I think in some ways, when we're thinking about creating fantasy worlds, like we can overthink this stuff to a point. Where it's like, well, but it must be related to some major historical event. What caused this? Was there a great dairy shortage because of a war? Like, we have this, like, that has to have some great meaning. Or, like, the only things people celebrate are, you know, holidays of, of extreme religious significance. Or celebrations of major historical events. And it's like, you look around and, no, some of it's real obscure, or even if you can point to like a historical event that is inspiring this, like it's actually not that big of a deal. <laughs> like my favorite fictional or- example is in Parks and Rec where they have Ted Day <laughs> because there was some incident in Pawnee where they dumped a bunch of tea in the lake, but it was mis like misinterpreted because of the old timey script that it was written in so they thought they dumped the Ted in the lake and so every year they find a guy named Ted and they throw him, and in, they the throw him in the lake <gasps> I love that so it's like the, so there's a historical precedence but it's it's not important and it's, it's been misconstrued completely 
it's been it's been dislodged from from its origins. I, I have to say, the world building of Parks and Rec is really it, it's really wonderful, and the, like the degree to which they make this silly little Indiana town into something three dimensional and real with that level of world building of like we we have we have the 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 Ted Day. We have little Sebastian, which is just this tiny horse that everyone loves for no explicable reason. (laughs) And honestly, as someone from Indiana, I have very few quibbles. No notes. Perfect. (laughs) Pretty much. Yep. That is always the goal when when doing this sort of thing in your world building is making making your places seem especially lived in and and three dimensional and organic by just having those silly things where we chase cheese or we throw Ted in the lake or we wear the rooster on our head because that's what we do. And I don't think I mean, we need to explain that any further, do you? I mean, the, the, the absurd is realistic, yeah. quite frankly. It is. It's making me think of um, St. Saint Davy's Day, the Welsh saint, and they wear leeks in their caps. And it's like, why? Why a leek? It's just so weird. My God, they're attached to it. I just love it, and and just all the little things add up to that. My my parents watch some TV show, and I can't remember what it's called now, but it's like set in some small southern, you know, charming Hicksville somewhere. And in this fictional town, they seem to have a festival about every other week. Like, <laughs> there's the blueberry festival, the apricot festival, the pirate day festival, the banana festival. Like, there's every all the time, just all the time. There's some kind of festival happening. Because it's an excuse for, you know, the showrunners to, you know, make new costumes and decorate and things like that. But within the world of this town, you sort of get to a point where you're like, gosh, that would be exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, you know, it's it's kind of fine to put it all in one town because if you actually like kind of like drive around like sort of the Midwest or the rural South, like you just kind of notice like, oh, this town has this festival this weekend. And then the, the next town over has their festival in two weeks. And then this town over here has a festival like a week after that. Like it's like they kind of like... Like like popcorn them around, so it's there's everyone's got their little niche cornered. I don't know if the U.S. ever had laws like this, but I know that in medieval England, there were charters around who could have markets and when, what towns could have a market day, and when and under what conditions, and that I think would lend itself to like each town has a festival, but on different weeks because the vendors would sort of travel around. Because not every town, you couldn't have one consecutive weeks because it was considered, you know, unfair to the other towns. Um, And the king would say, nope, 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 none of that. I'm revoking your charter. But I don't know if the U.S. ever intentionally had that or if it just sort of, you know, happened that way. I I do know that we in the um, colonial and early federal period were far more loose and fast with all of our trade regulation stuff than anything ever was in Europe, <laughs> um, which makes documenting a lot of stuff a real pain in the butt, by the way, because we're like, well, did they have secondhand clothing sellers in the U.S.? We don't know, because they didn't have licenses. So, yes, probably. Freedom! Freedom. Merca. <laughs> Merca. Started early. So. Did. Sure did. <laughs> but, I mean, if you if you are if you are a small fantasy town and, and you're going to to start a annual celebration of something like what do you what do you start it around there seem to be myriad options my favorite being food because that seems to be what a lot of festivals are built around like the blueberry festival and the pumpkin festival and the catfish festival and what else you know but it makes sense because it makes a lot of sense like hey let's let's we have this local thing that's a specialty and also it came ripe and we get to live another year yay but there's also the factor of, like, anybody who's had experience with, you know, gardening or harvesting or anything like that, you know there's 11, 11 and a half months out of the year where you do not have this thing, and then two weeks where you have way too much of this thing. <laughs> and so it's just like, of course you have a company like, hey, we've got all this squash, let's do a reason to get rid of all this squash, <laughs> that we all eat the squash now, because... If we don't if we don't have a party about the squash, then we're gonna have way too much squash and it's all gonna rot anyway. So we have to do something and then we have to do it today. And that's why we have to invite the people from the next town over to help us eat all this squash. And then we'll go over to their place next week when their pomegranates 
drop or something. Right. I don't know what else is ripe at the same time as squash. Well, and, <laughs> and if you've got, you know, a lot of your, a lot of local agriculture built around or, you know, other food production, like fishing or whatever, you're probably all involved in a lot of hard work about it, especially around high labor time. So it's like people need that release of like, thank God the squash harvest is over. That was, that was a rough couple of weeks. Let's kick back and eat some squash now. You also Actually, I don't want to look at a squash <laughs> ever again. So let's also have jugglers and some kind of rigged games for people to play. And I don't know, maybe a dangerous ride. <laughs> something to distract me from the squash. Let's have a ride or an excuse to jump in the lake or something. <laughs> I also love like the weird old superstitions and goofy crap. One that I, I did not know a lot about until an actual an orchard and cider manufacturing place near me started doing this they have they wassail their trees every year and they have a big party and invite you know like public can come and come and wassail the trees with the orchard employees and i did not know about this but apparently in england um dating pretty far back to medieval times or earlier um there was a tradition of going out to your trees and you gave them toast and some of the some of the ones you splash some cider on the tree and the toast and you just give them toast and you sing to the trees or you bang pots and pans together and this is supposed to ward off evil spirits or or whatnot and give you a good harvest next year so like in like the middle of winter like some traditions have it as um like Twelfth Night and others do it like around Groundhog Day which is the traditional like end of the Christmas season you go out and you you give a snack to your trees and you sing to them and and of course you drink a lot of cider and also probably nine out of ten americans who have sung here we go a wassailing wassail is just a word no that they yeah. and have no idea what idea what, what they're saying what they're talking, which ties into this sort of thing that like we will keep the tradition of singing this song we have no idea what it means we just know we sing this song at christmas time because it's a Christmas time song. And that's all we know. Yeah. And I love how that tradition, like, you could clearly see how it could have some pre-Christian origins. You know, it, it could have some, we must honor the tree spirits. We must chase away the fairies. Do we know that it had any of that? Nope. We don't have no records, records of that. <laughs> and in your fantasy world, you could choose to literalize that. You could choose to make it a, yes, there are literal tree spirits that we have to do this for, or they will get mad. Or you could keep it blurry. You could keep it as, maybe once there were tree spirits, we don't know. Because you get to decide, you know, how how intense and literal these things are in your fantasy world. And, and when you have those blurry lines, too, it can be like, well, you know, yeah, we do this every year because we have to, to get a good harvest. Well, what happens if you don't? We've never not done it why why would we not do it that's a terrible idea like there's no scientific basis for this belief but it seems to work every year because we get a good harvest so we're not screwing with that that's the thing it's like the scientific um method only works when you can take that kind of risk <laughs> when, when your when your ability to get through the winter depends on this you're not going to not fuck around with, that. with with having you know variables and a control system it's like uh uh-uh, no we're yeah. just going to keep doing the thing because it seems to work. And you know what? It's also fun to get kind of drunk and then go sing to the trees. Frankly, we like doing it. It's fun. For for a darker example, I can't help but think of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, where throughout the story, people are going, I heard the next town over, they've stopped doing it. And they're like, yeah, they can they can fuck with that. We're not. <laughs> we, we, we don't have the margin of error that we can, you know, we can take that sort of risk of not doing it. So, no, we're, we're doing the lottery. It's gonna it's gotta happen. I love to the intersection of I mean, sort of like thinking about that, like appeasing the tree spirits or whatever. When your food related festival has an intersection with religion, but it's not necessarily like strictly derived from the doctrine. I'm thinking about a lot of the, you know, like Mardi Gras festivals and 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 shrove tuesday and all these things it's like well we have to give up all the tasty foods for lent which in turn has sort of a because these things we harvested or have been saving all winter are going to go bad and might kill us if we eat them this late in the spring but it's also there's religious things there whatever so let's gorge ourselves and somehow that turns into festivals where people have pancake races (laughs) it's like draw the line from a bunch of people running down the street flipping pancakes 
to Jesus. <laughs> Draw that line for me. It, it, it's not a straight one. <laughs> Sometimes these things happen just because we discover that they're fun and we make an excuse. Or like St. Patrick's Day, which has really very little to do with St. Patrick at all. Really, it's like, let's drink green beer if you're the kind of person who does things like that, which I am not because beer is gross. But let's let's get wasted. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Something, something, Irish heritage, something, something. something. Yeah, something, something, something. I'm the 124th Irish. <laughs> Every, everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's Everyone. Day. Yeah. yeah. Which... Let's, let's dump a bunch of dye in a river and make it green. Because... Because we can. Catholic saints like that? The, the Pope didn't say we can't. How much of that is the, you know, with St. Patrick's Day or Mardi Gras or whatever, it's like, we just want the excuse to overeat, overdrink... Take our clothes off in public because, and oh, it's a festival, therefore we're going to do it. Even though there's no connection to whatever the origins of the festival are and doing those things, but you just want the excuse to knock the bottoms out of your, your impulse control for a day and, and, and live with that. And be like, nah, it doesn't, it doesn't count because, because it was Mardi Gras. It doesn't count because it was St. Patrick's Day. You're supposed to do that on those days. Darn it. And, and in some ways, too, like, look at the time of year that some of the most obscure celebrations happen in. And not all of them. Like, there are some that happen during nice times of year. But, like, St. Patrick's Day in March and Fat Tuesday is usually in February or March. It's it's gross out. It's boring. We're in the, you know, it's been, Christmas is long gone. New Year's is, you know, don't even remember it at this point. We need something to distract ourselves and do something. So, yeah, the Lupercalia does... too falls. That's that's Feb, that's mid February. Yeah, it's that's. I, I feel like just humans look at a calendar, and if there's too long a stretch of time, like where some... you don't have something to look forward to, <laughs> something exciting to break up the monotony of your life, like it's like we got to put a holiday there. I don't care what it's for. Anything, just anything. <laughs> Although I have this very strong memory of when I was a kid having this this record about all the holidays, all the big holidays, like literally like a, a 45 record, which I'm showing my age there. <laughs> um, and But like each and each one, there was a song. And then they're like, in August, there are no holidays. It's too hot. And that was it. <laughs> it's like, moving on. We're not a Labor Day. <laughs> But I sort of love that idea of just like, we're, you know, we're, you know, have all these you know things where we run in the streets and do crazy things, but we're not going to do that in August because, no, <laughs> we're going to stay inside in the shade. It just takes a lot of it's effort. It's just too much. Just go, you know, go to the beach. Just, just do that. Just, just calm down, y'all. It's, <laughs> it's too much. Get a slushy. But I think that's a legitimate thing to consider for a fantasy world, too. Of like, so, okay, so why is this happening in this particular time of year? Is it actually related to something that occurred during this time of year that we're commemorating in some way? Is it because the squash harvest is coming ripe? Or is it because we get really bored in February and we need something to do? Or are we avoiding having holidays in February because, quite frankly, it is still way too damn cold and we can't even leave our homes? It's the stay at home with your jammies and your blanket festival because, yeah, that's what's happening. To an extent, Valentine's Day, which is the big February holiday, is a find a person you like and hole up with that person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what that is supposed to be about. Rather, it's not the run in the streets and, you know, it's the, you know... Make a, a personal declaration to that person and, and stay out of everybody else's way. <laughs> you get, don't drive. Don't drive. The roads are bad. The roads are bad. <laughs> Do something sweet and romantic and don't bother other people in, in your process. Not that people listen to that because... But it's like we, there, there is no Valentine's Day parade. Or at least there, there shouldn't be. If there probably is. <laughs> I'm probably wrong about that. There's probably there's, there certainly isn't a famous one. We don't have like the Macy's Valentine's Day parade going down. God, don't no. give capitalism more ideas. No, <laughs> but the parade it's the concept of the parade itself is is up there with like why, you know, 
is this a thing like why why do people in this town do that parade like what is the idea of like hey let's just you know again let's dress up in whatever silly thing and mar- and go through the streets and let other people wave at us and see us you know wearing wearing the crazy costume or and again there's probably alcohol involved or something else <laughs> and but yet it's again like this is tradition we have to have this parade we have to you know what would it be like if we didn't have the saint patrick's day parade there sure was (laughs) alcohol involved the couple of times i had to walk in a christmas parade let me tell you (laughs) like it is 20 degrees it is too cold for this nonsense and i have to bean tiny little candy canes at people like you better believe i'm having a drink first jeez but those local parades, too, like they speak to the locality of it so much because who takes part in those local parades? It's always like the local Girl Scout troops and the high school marching band and the local Shriners and, and just like all these weird little civic organizations that are just sort of celebrating their own little togetherness and then showing it off for everybody else in the community. And I find that really charming. I, I love a parade. I really do. In yeah, in San Antonio, in... Usually the week after Easter, it's Fiesta, which is just like this excuse to have a bunch of parades and a bunch of parties and like, and you know, somebody is like the the King Anchovy of the parade when somebody else is going to be the Fiesta Queen. And these are just things that happen in San Antonio every year. And people, I mean, and it's a big deal in San Antonio for the whole year. Oh, there's another one that's right at the same time here in Austin, which I've always been sort of fascinated with, which is Eeyore's birthday. Eeyore as in the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> right. Why is his excellent tell me why more. is his birthday April twenty fourth? I'm not entirely sure. Why does it mean that just hippies descend on this one park in Austin and just like get all their weird out on that that particular day and it's like like it's a lot of music it's a lot of people in i mean like but if you ask yourself like why is this about eeyore's birthday nobody really will have a strong answer for you but it is a thing that is very big here in austin every april for reasons i love in our modern world how many celebrations and festivals have have sort of gone the other direction you know we're talking about creating them for our world building but i love how many have jumped the other way and and how many fictional celebrations are now embraced by the real world whether it's um you know may the 4th or actual star wars day may 25th may 25th is actually three different fandom holidays (laughs) because it's it's star it's the anniversary of star wars being released it's um towel day for hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy wow it is. It's Towel Day. I think because it's Douglas Adams' birthday, but I'm not positive about that. We will fact check me. We'll fact check me in the um in the transcript or something. And it is for Discworld fans, the the glorious 25th of May, which is the center point of the book Nightwatch. So I love that May 25th for some reason has like <laughs> all these different things glom onto it. But other things too, like um Galentine's Day being the day before Valentine's Day. That was from Parks and Rec, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't even watch Parks and Rec, but I know about Galentine's Day. Or just weird things like, like, remember in the early 2000s when Talk Like a Pirate Day was a really big thing for a few years? <laughs> yeah. It was very big on my college campus yes. at my grad school. And it was the day before my birthday, which meant I had some epic pirate-themed birthday parties um, <laughs> as we went from one day to the other. But there's just these, like, weird fictional things that we now celebrate in our real world, which I think is just charming and ridiculous because humans are so silly and i love us but you have to ask like why did somebody say you know what september 19th should be it should be talk like a pirate day and why because it should be and like it just and just evolved into this sort of thing and like and you get these sort of weird oh there there is in japan i think it's just the pink penis festival i'm sorry what (laughs) where it's like again parades with just these enormous pink penises because because and i i don't know more about it than that (laughs) other than now that you mention it i once (laughs) went to the the gallery at the kinsey institute and they had one of these banners it was like a six foot long penis from the parade because just because i don't i don't know more about 
why or what? Why or what else is involved? I mean, I'm I'm sh- sure that there's. I'm sure there's a reasonable listeners. Explanation. If you know, please tell us. <laughs> I want to. I I'm now. I want to know like what what traditional foods are involved in. <laughs> the penis festival I hope it's cream filled eclairs <laughs> oh god I'm a terrible person <laughs> it probably is <laughs> or it could be now could be yeah. now someone in whatever whatever region of, of Japan hosts this festival we, we have ideas and we'd be happy to talk in fact come on the show and we'd be happy to chat I mean, how many of these things are just because some person got the idea to declare it and enough other people were like, yeah, let's let's roll with that. And it went from there. I mean, yeah, you have a few people, a few friends do something and then they invite a few more friends the next year and then somebody else sees them doing it the next year and is like, hey, can we get on that action? And it just, yeah, you know, it happens or, or it meant something once upon a time and enough people cared about continuing to do it that it kept happening. Like, even though the meaning gets lost, like someone's like, no, but that's really fun. Like, <laughs> I don't want to stop with the giant penis banner. It's it's a good time. <laughs> okay. Plus we have this giant penis what banner now. I mean, what, what what else are we gonna use it for? <laughs> if, we, if, we're, if we cancel the parade, then I have this thing in my garage for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't have that. But how much of it Dude. is that? That's sort of just like, now that it exists, it just sort of sticks around out of pure momentum. And then, like, you have the people being like, this is this is tradition. This is, you know, what I did in my childhood. And so, therefore, we're going to keep doing it. And then another generation, it's the same thing. And again, like, I mentioned this last episode where I said how much... How, how much stuff that we think of as just, like, tradition or this is how things are really just stems to America in the 50s. And, like, almost everything we associate with traditional Christmas, America in the 1950s. Like, that's that's where that comes from. Like, even in, you know, the traditional, this is what Santa looks like, came from, like, a Coke ad. And, and didn't exist before that. And, and <laughs> He was certainly popularized by Coke. Yeah. But, like, Americans are not alone in right. this either. And and I, I think about Ovid's Fasti is a lesser-known work of, of his that is, I wish it spanned the entire year. He he didn't finish writing it, but he did the first six months of the year, basically just explaining all the Roman holidays, which, if you don't know, <laughs> there were a lot of them. <laughs> they didn't have the internet. They needed, they needed to make their own no, fun. No, they had to make their own fun all the time. <laughs> and even... In, in the very early Empire, when he's writing, he's already, like, for a bunch of them, like, yeah, we're not really sure why we do this. It might be this, or some people say it's this, or some people say it's this, but we don't actually know. And, and it's just so funny that in a few hundred years, the tradition sort of snowballed to the point where we don't know why on February 15th, um, on the Ides of, of February, we, we um, have a couple of, you know, Athletic young men strip naked and run through the streets, whipping women with bloody pieces of goat flesh so that they'll become fertile. We have some theories. <laughs> we're, we're not quite sure, though. And uh, we're going to keep doing it, though, because uh, Mark Antony looks real fine. <laughs> and we want to we keep making him do that where he runs through the streets for, for our entertainment. <laughs> and I feel like, too, just like the sheer number of Roman holidays points out another interesting element of the niche obscure festival and holiday topic which is who's actually even participating in these like does your entire population actually come out and get behind asparagus festival or is it actually just a small group of people who really care about this and go every year or is it kind of a mix i mean you have like for a calendar chalk block full of holidays the way the romans did like you start to like pick apart like well this is really the only people who are really into that are this particular niche of people this particular niche of people well yeah okay so you know, this is the group that this holiday is kind of for, and they participate, and everyone else kind of goes about their day as usual. Maybe avoids that marketplace because it's overrun with the asparagus festival again. But let me tell you, as someone who lived one block away from the main street of a small rural southern town, you kind of don't have a choice if there's festivals happening. You're you're part of it, whether you want to be or not, because at the very least, it's blocked off your street and you can't leave. 
which I think can be a fun thing in terms of like, you know, how are you going to have your characters react to the festivals happening in their towns? Are they excited? Or are they like, God damn it, every year, every year the parade route goes right past my house and I don't enjoy it. I don't like a 76 trombones at eight in the morning. This is obnoxious. So, you know, what kind of participation? And then even getting a little deeper than that, like, well, what does that say about, you know, the social constructs and dynamics of of the world that you're building does everyone celebrate the same stuff or not and do the, are these festivals set up to be inclusive or are they kind of exclusive in some ways and, and how much are they sanctioned by the government versus not i mean that to, to sort of take a more serious look at it look at pride festivals and the history of pride festivals over the decades and where they've been allowed where they've been not allowed where they are technically allowed but discouraged you know <laughs> by some sector of the populace where they are more heavily regulated and 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 how that has waxed and waned and, and changed a little bit over time but we are still facing so many of the same issues with you know who's allowed to to who's allowed to have a public celebration who's allowed to do these things in a public space that also makes me think about generational shift and when you know you know something is a tradition but the newer generation for whatever reason of further enlightenment or further awareness or like hey this thing that you are doing like maybe whipping the women with goat flesh that's maybe that's bad maybe you shouldn't do that maybe that's a really toxic behavior and then you have other people going but it's tradition and look at mark anthony's abs (laughs) it's not his abs i'm looking at Yeah, you're so this is the no kink at Lupercalia sect, right? Um, but like, and maybe it is a maybe it is a thing of a shift back to a more conservative attitude, or it can be a hey, this thing that we do every year is actually horrifically toxic, and maybe you know putting it under the banner of but it's tradition. Like, there's is it something Nordic? I want to say Sweden, where. There's the annual festival that everyone's in blackface and people are like, hey, maybe not. And, but then people are like, but it's tradition. And still people are like, hmm, maybe not. Maybe you should stop. Yeah. Was that, was that the um, Zvarta Pete? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. I think that's. I think that's right. That sounds right. It's Christmas related. It's Christmas yeah. adjacent. It's Christmas adjacent. It's, it's, yeah. And it's, I think it's a, a Netherlands Netherlands origin. But he was like Santa's little helper. Yeah. And yeah. (laughs) I hail from a state that until fairly recently recognized in February Lee Jackson King Day. I don't know who that is, but I can hear the tone of your voice. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, it's three people. That's your clue. Um, When everyone else was celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Virginia was celebrating Lee Jackson King Day, honoring Martin Luther King Jr. at the same time that we honored Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. These are these are choices. They're bad ones, but they're yeah. choices. <laughs> it was a whole choice, and we do see a generational shift that that became inappropriate, but there are still people in this state who would like to go back to it. Like, every year, some dumbass in the House of Delegates tries to advocate for bringing it back, and we're like, no. <laughs> No, that was a bad, bad holiday. <laughs> we don't need that one back. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't even like, like, what do you do to observe that? Actually, wait, no. If anyone no. did, I no. don't want to know. Mm-mm. I don't want to ask that. I don't want nope. to untangle that thread. <laughs> for for close, me, when I was seven, close, it was just a day off school. Close that door but, and back away slowly. Yeah. Just, but it, it's interesting, too, because even if you remove any, like, anything culturally or politically fraught from holidays... Like, there's still usually some kind of government or, like, oversight somewhere. Like, there's the permits, right? And there's the who's paying for this. And there's the argument about who's paying for this. And then you get under the who's paying for this, and it's like, well, there's some power structures at work because is this this free cotton candy or is this the local squash guild showing off their clout like you have these kind of playing even under the surface of what are 
otherwise benign holidays. We can't cancel it because if we cancel it, the Squash Guild will get very mad. And then if they get mad, then they have enough of a voting block that nothing else gets done (laughs) for the rest of the year. I was recently watching Wizard of Oz with my kids. And you know the scene where they're all celebrating um, the Wicked Witch of the East dying? Yeah. Just a little sick to begin with, quite frankly. Let's just acknowledge that. But then they have, in Munchkin, they have like like the Lollipop Guild and the Lullaby League. And I really wonder, like, what kind of political clout is in Munchkin afterward? For years afterward, like, did the Lullaby League sponsor a, like, Dead Witch Day where they trotted out parades and pronouncements? And I'm just imagining that developing over time. Everyone wears striped stockings to mock the dead witch and her bare feet. That tracks. That makes sense. (laughs) Also opens up this whole idea of like, what does Munchkin Land look like three generations later? And are they like, you know, does the Lollipop Guild and the Lullaby League and all that still exist? And what are they doing? And are they, has Wicked Witch Death Day become become the annual holiday and ding dong day is like or is it just ding dong day and the fact that it ding dong day and no one knows why no one knows why or even like it's just you know like dorothy day who is dorothy we don't even remember there's a bust of her in the hall of fame but other than that we've got nothing we've got nothing other than everybody wears striped socks and somebody makes a big house model for some reason <laughs> there's a house pinata yeah it and it falls down <laughs> yeah and when it falls everyone shouts ding dong and that's the day <laughs> i love this i require wizard of oz fanfic from somebody <laughs> listeners please write us ding dong day i think that little impromptu addition to oz lore is a great segue into what we, we want to end this episode with, which is adding some weird local festivals to our world. Hmm. <laughs> and they and everyone sits here looking stumped, even though we knew we, we were knew all we going we to have here. to do this. See, what, I was Thank thinking us. about this in terms of Griasta, where Griasta, for them, let... Li- you guys are like a constant party. It's do you a, have a day where everyone just... It's like, a constant party. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I wonder if their festival is more like Lent, where it's like, this week, we're all just going to be chill. <laughs> it is like the week of, like, solemn contemplation, where you, you know, where the whole point is restraint and refraining, so that then just is like a sort of like, hey... I wonder if my idea would be that it's to sort of like contemplate on all of the good things in life and how much you enjoy them because, you know, the fact that we get to do this 51 weeks out of the year is a gift. So, like, take take a little time to, like, sit back and reflect. And that's what what you're doing this week. So it's, it's like a week of abstinence to, like refresh yourself of the joys of life that you experience the now, rest of the time a, a palate cleanser yes if you will. yeah now do all the griastans do this at the same time Ooh, i would think so just because it's the one week that tourism dips yeah just because <laughs> it, it makes sense you know because if then you have half the people be like no nah, i'm doing i'm doing my abstain week it's like you did that during the snail festival Why'd you do that? <laughs> that That's a dumb week to choose, man. <laughs> Where if it's all the same week, then yeah, that can be the week that like, oh, you picked you picked the wrong week to come to Grasso. Or for some people, it's like, no, you picked the right week to come to Grasso. <laughs> because you can just walk through the streets and get nothing on your shoes. <laughs> and you can get to the beach and it's not a problem <laughs> like this. This is the easy week to come to town, frankly. Is, is it a... Have you have you located a particular time of year when this makes the most sense, or huh. or timing wise, like like what what makes sense for palate cleansing week? I feel like it should be. Part of me is saying it should be that like that midwinter festival sort of that midwinter sort of thing. First of all, this is when it makes the most sense to just sit in your house and and cover all of your body parts with 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 the most amount of clothing you have because because it's cold and when else are you going to do that so i feel like i feel like that makes the most sense but then there's a part of me who's like 
Or would it be would it be that in August it's too hot? This is the time to just, you know, stay in your house and just lie down and not do anything else because because it's too hot to, to run in the streets. It's too hot to even touch somebody else because you're both just sticky and sweaty. And so maybe maybe it's good if we if that's the time we say chill. So yeah. I think I think height of summer is actually Okay. Cass, do you want to go next? Yes, I'm giving um the, the Fjallaniris a mud festival. Ooh. So much of their you know, the 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 rhythm of their life is driven by the the flooding of their river, which allows them to to plant what crops they can and and grow their paper and all that stuff. But I'm thinking that like there's a time when the water starts to recede, sort of after the inundation season, um, when when there's a bunch of mud around. And I expect this just started with, like, just in some small corner of the land or some town or some district of, of their big city, Uland, um, with people just, you know, messing around in the mud and throwing mud at each other. But over the years, it became a thing. And and I, I started thinking about this, and, and I, I like it for so many reasons, because, like, this would be right before their hard work would begin, because after the, the waters recede is when you have to do your sowing and your planting, and then later your harvesting. So before we do the hard work, we're going to have a bash. We're, we're going to get ourselves psyched up for this work. We're going to celebrate the, the natural elements that have allowed us to, to prosper, and then we'll settle in and get to work. And, and I think I could meld it with some other things in their culture, too. Like, I've way back when introduced the idea that they have, like, some sort of pigments that they use for, for magic and for, you know, painting on their walls and stuff. And I think they would bring that pigment eventually that would become part of the mud festival. So it's not just mud. It suddenly becomes, like, colorful mud. And that's part of the festival that they have. So this, this people, who are usually very neat, very organized, very tidy people, have this just festival of mud where they get gloriously like like kids playing in the mud um gloriously dirty in a colorful way it's very silly and then they go home and and they wash it all off and then they get back to work i love it are are there any are there any traditional foods associated with mud festival or do you just not want to eat during mud festival i would say not eat because you're (laughs) covered in mud yeah because you're covered in mud um i think drinking probably yes but not so much with the food. Maybe there's like a, a post mud meal like of some go kind. Wash up and then yeah, you wash up and then you have a nice a nice meal. I'd have to think harder about exactly what kind of food it would be based on the time of year and what they'd have available to them. For some reason, I'm seeing pretzels. I don't know why. Oh, I like that though. Yeah, like big soft pretzels because they're delicious. That's why <laughs> are delicious. And like playing out in the mud. If you're like playing hard out in the natural elements, you're gonna get hungry. Like yeah. that's that's hungry hungry play. But just a way for them to, to blow off some steam and be very silly for a very controlled period of time. Because <laughs> that's how the Fjallaniris roll. We have scheduled this time to be silly. <laughs> yes, we'll be silly for exactly this amount of time. And then... And now the silliness is now the silliness is ended. <laughs> I'm just reminded of one of the recent uh, Star Trek Strange New World episodes where Spock and Pring things happen and it seems like hijinks is the most logical option. <laughs> so, yes, that same episode when um, Una and Lon are like checking off the the ensign's list, very like, fair, but they're taking it very seriously. Like, there's this it's Enterprise Bingo, and it's a, just a list of dares for the ensigns to do essentially on the Enterprise, and and this you know bridge staff gets a hold of it and takes it really seriously. <laughs> I love that. Just go hard or go home. And what about I'll not leer? So I, I overthought this and I've got a really obscure one. Awesome. So I think I mentioned <laughs> at one point that um, it's it's an archipelago. It's an island. Islands kind of, you know, stretched out. And some of them are home to, not home to, but home bases for migrating seabirds. So you have birds that come and lay their eggs on these particular islands. And there's one island that it's, very, it's got like big cliffs and things these birds lay their eggs on. So people over the years had like repelled down, and actually there are there are cultures that do this, that like repel down and collect the eggs like from the cliff face. But doing that was kind of cool. 
So this particular island area, like one little region, it kind of grew into a thing that not only are they collecting the eggs, but they have like repelling races down the side of, of the cliffs. And there's like teams that will put on like, you know, like these races, they'll get together. Like your little village has your team that you send out to repel down the cliff. Um, and usually no one dies, but you know, sometimes. And so you have the repelling down the cliff egg collecting festival and then there's a lot of food for everyone who's not repelling down the cliff so they have like omelets and and seafood and and probably topping the whole thing off with some kind of musical performance because that's what they do there so necessity of of collecting enough food for subsistence grows into mostly young people doing something stupid but everyone having fun with it I like that it's an incredibly metal Easter egg hunt. <laughs> As you were describing it, I just had this sort of vision of like integrating the idea that the birds would like be trying to protect their eggs and keep people away from it. In but like to, to then turn that into something symbolic. And like I, I just had this vision of them they'll like make little like paper mache or something birds that the people at the top of the cliff are throwing at the people. <laughs> going to, to like but like you know I, I think I think we can a, take it a step further ooh, and the okay. people who are in the competition have to dress like birds oh I was picturing that like these big bird costumes because they have to and, blend in right, right? So they're yeah. trying to like like yeah. blend in and so they're they're getting accosted by having stuff thrown at them from the people on top of the cliff watching and they're dressed like giant repelling down the side yeah I just love it because then yeah you you would have you know you, Every year, you got to pull out the bird costume, and like we, we can't cancel this festival because I have the bird costume. And our village has won three years in a row, and right. we have to defend that. And in and in like two hundred years from the point that we're talking about in in our in our world, like two hundred years down the timeline, they're going to start to realize that you can't just like over harvest migratory bird eggs because that's bad. And so the harvesting bird eggs gets outlawed at some point, but they keep doing the repelling down the cliffs into perpetuity. Like, it's no longer about collecting the eggs. It's just like going down. It's just about going down the cliff and throwing things at the people going down the cliff. Right. And giant bird costumes. And I feel like that's the point where the costumes get like more and more ridiculous as they get further and further removed from the origin. Yes. And also, you don't actually need to harvest eggs off the side of the cliff because you can just go to the store now. Thank you. <laughs> right. But yet, the tradition remains. I love it. Because I bet the that the the all not Lear equivalent of Mark Antony looks very fine coming down that cliff in his bird costume. Yes. Because, let's be honest, the bird costume is probably not going to be particularly complete. So, it's a little scanty. <laughs> and on a windy day. <laughs> so, ooh. It's, it's pretty much just wings strapped to his arms. And that's all. Maybe a beak. Maybe a beak. <laughs> Where does he put that beak? A couple of tail feathers to shake. <laughs> yeah. But he knows what the crowd maybe, wants. Maybe, the, maybe there is some kind of a costume contest as well that's separate from the, 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 the climbers and repellers. And then and once that. again, you have an excuse for a parade. Exactly. Because you got to get to the cliffs somehow. So you start it's, in the town true. in your costumes, you... do the parade all the way out to the cliffs. And throw things at people while they're parading. So, yeah. Pretty much any excuse for a parade. We're any excuse for a parade. Any excuse for a parade. I'm... Any excuse for revealing costumes. Any excuse to drink <laughs> excessively in public. That's that's what we're after. That's what that's what the people want. <laughs> it is. That's humanity so, right so there. So give the people give the people what they want. Yes. And build some weird ass festivals. Yeah. Into your fictional reality. <laughs> Hi you. Thanks for listening to this episode of World Building for Masochists and letting us help you overcomplicate your writing life. Our next episode goes up on July 20th, where we'll be joined by Victor Manibo to talk about building law and policy into your worlds. 
If you want to know more about your hosts and the fantastical books we write, links to all of that information is on our website at worldbuildingformasochists.podbeam.com. We really hope you liked this episode. If you did, please do take a minute to tell a friend, shout about us on the internet, or leave a review on iTunes. If you've got questions or just want to tell us how cute we are, there's a number of ways to contact us. We're on Twitter as at WorldBuildCast, and our email is WorldBuildCast at gmail.com. We also have a Discord chat room linked in the About the Show page of our website if you want to come chat with us and other fans of the podcast. We'd love for you to share the worlds you're making and help us all build until it hurts.